Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcasts. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. To find out more about them and any of the other authors from the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com where you'll find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. So today we are speaking with Marty Hassan. Now, Marty is a high-performance coach, trainer, and consultant who's partnered with emerging and established leaders in some of the world's most prominent companies in their field. His mission is to help these leaders to embrace their potential create positive impact in others, and achieve step change results through their people. Now, in his pursuit to master his coaching and intervention techniques, Marty sought out the world's best peak performance specialist to mentor him. Marty has partnered with thousands of leaders in Fortune 100 companies across industries from oil and gas to aerospace where he has helped them to bring out the best in their employees and save their businesses millions of dollars in the process. Today, Marty directly impacts many lives with his leadership and mindset products, live events, and coaching programs. So please join me in welcoming to the show, Marty. Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm good, Ben. It's good to be here, my friend. Mate, it's a big intro. I know you're an absolute weapon at what you do in the world of leadership. And I just, you know, everyone sends through their little bio interviews that they want read out. And as I'm reading yours out, I'm like, you know, this guy really knows what the heck he's doing. And he knows what he's doing when it comes to leadership. I mean, the, the impact that you make in the companies you work with is is nothing short of profound. So I, I guess I just like to kick off with why? Why did you, out of all the topics, because, you know, you could have, succeeded anything you, you, you really are one of those one percenters what moved you into leadership why why'd you go there great question look i think um it all started out when i when i started my career so i i studied mechanical engineering back at queen's university in belfast in ireland and uh so when i qualified i went to work at rolls royce defense aerospace working in all these cool like fighter jet engines and things like that uh Wait, you worked at rolls royce yeah man it was a cool position like one of like you know, being an engineer, thinking about what company do you want to work for? And, and when I got a, an offer from them, I'm like, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, so I ended up working with them for, for seven years, one of the best experiences I've ever had. And I actually got offered a promotion to become uh, an operations director for a joint venture company that they had where we were building helicopter engines. And of course, I'm like, this is this is a big move for me, right? You know, to move from from being just a subject matter expert, like being an engineer, to becoming a manager and a director of, of lots of teams of people. And so for me, I'm like, this is this is a big deal. This is an opportunity for me to prove myself. And I jumped in like feet first thinking, right, I'm an engineer, I'm a smart guy. Like, to be honest, I thought it was gonna be relatively easy. And uh, boy, was I wrong, right? Like I, <laughs> I did my best to um, prove everybody that I was the right person for the job. And by doing that, I ended up saying yes to everything, man. Like mm. I, I was saying yes to every meeting request, every demand, every uh, ask. And before I knew it, I was overwhelmed, overstressed. Like I was just working crazy hours. 
I didn't know how to delegate. I didn't know how to say no. And I was just making all the beginner mistakes that, that most, most people that were in my position make. Uh, and then to be honest, it took about two years of me going through this, not wanting to put up my hand to say, I need some help. You know, it was like, you know, this analogy of a duck on water, like my feet were going like crazy. <laughs> I was just trying to have this like uh, calm persona that I've got everything under control. And the truth was, I didn't. Like I was, I was going to bed thinking about work. I was dreaming about work. I would wake up in the morning thinking about it again, just consume me. Uh, and what I ended up doing, to be honest, was running away from it. I took a career break. I said, look, I, I need to get away from this. I don't have the skills, the tools, the ability to manage this position. Uh, but that really took me on a journey. Um, and I traveled the world and I really, it gave me an opportunity to breathe. And uh, I asked myself a question. I'm like, when I go back to work, when I finish this career break, like, what am I going to do differently? And so at that point, I made a decision to take action, to learn every single thing I could about this thing called leadership. Mm. And it took me on a, a wonderful journey. So as you mentioned in, in, in the intro, I went and, and studied and got mentored from the best, you know, uh, high performance experts in the world, human behavior experts. Uh, and that ultimately got me into a role um, here in Australia where I decided, how can I go and help people that were just like me going through the same challenges I went through? Um, and I found myself uh, in a consulting role. And I remember going in, my first role was with, uh, our first contract was with an oil and gas company. They were building a, an LNG facility over in Queensland. And we were doing this fly in, fly out style of work. So we worked for three weeks and then we were off for three and my first three weeks, I went in and my, my team lead for this consulting company said, Marty, what you got to do is give these leaders feedback. Give them feedback on how they're performing as leaders and how they can ultimately bring out the best in their people. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something, Ben. Like I, One of my greatest fears materialized because I, I like to maintain rapport with people i like to maintain that relationship so for me to walk into some guy that was uh you know 20 30 years older than me and tell him how to do his job that scared the you know what out of me right so after three weeks i'm like i need to find a way to give feedback more effectively because it's my job and um i think i realized on week number three my team lead gave me some mentoring and he said marty Here's the thing, most people uh, associate feedback with this thing called conflict, right? And uh, he said, has anybody ever given you a gift before? I'm like, yeah, you know, I get gifts for my birthday at Christmas. He goes, well, how does it make you feel when you get it? I said, well, it makes me feel awesome. Like I feel connection, I feel like the person loves me and they appreciate me. He said, exactly, right? He said, have you ever given someone a gift before? I said, well, yeah. He goes, well, how do you feel when you give it? And I'm like, well, I thought... I remember buying flights for my brother to go back home to, for Christmas. And it was one of the most amazing experiences I ever felt. He goes, exactly, right? So he said, when you give someone the gift of feedback, you're giving them the opportunity to be their best. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's a, that's a different perspective than I originally I had. like that. Just say that bit again. So when you give someone, <clears throat> I really like that little, so what, say that sentence again. When you give someone the gift of when you give someone the gift of feedback, you're giving them the opportunity to be the best that they can be. I love that. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, man. No, keep talking talk about it. Just, like, I really... you, no, the thing is, as you write it down, like as I started doing some research, I'm like, conflict. Everybody keeps associating this word conflict. So I started researching 
you know, the origins of the word conflict. And uh, I think it comes from, from Latin, right? The word con, which means together, and fligere, which means to strike. So conflict is a, like a striking together. And then it kind of evolved into the 15th century, like an armed, ba armed battle or a war. I'm thinking, geez, people are associating going to war with giving feedback. Well, maybe that's not the best reception that they could ever have. So one of the first things I, I talk to leaders about is, well, let's change the perspective, uh, perspective, right? Let's take it away from war or conflict and let's associate feedback with what it truly is which is giving somebody the gift of being the best that they can be. And I think as leaders, it's the greatest uh, opportunity that you have for all of your people is um, to help them to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So I, I get the idea now. So you, you, you get a promotion and you realize far out, this skill set of mine does not equal leadership. Yeah. They're completely different things. And then you go and educate yourself, spend a fortune in the process of working with the world's best and, I guess probably on that journey, you, you discover things about leadership. And I know you know a lot about leadership that, that, that we don't know. So if I'm sitting at home right now and I'm listening to this podcast and, and I, I want to be a leader, maybe I want to be a leader of my family, maybe I want to be a leader in the workplace, maybe I want to be just a, a leader, you know, self-leadership, where do I start? What, what am I meant to do? Okay, well... I almost go back to my engineering days, right? Um, so when I was a service engineer, we would look at, you know, if, if an aircraft crashed and it was an engine-related problem, we would do something called a root cause analysis. We'd try to work out what the root cause uh, of that engine failure was. And so I kind of took that idea and I took it into human behavior and human performance and, and leadership. And I thought, well, great leaders get great results and they get them consistently. And I thought, well, what drives great results? So I used my root cause analysis and thought, okay, well, the thing that drives great results is great behaviors and great behaviors done consistently, which is essentially a habit, right? Mm. And so even if I just stop at that first uh, layer of the five whys, well, the first why is well, behavior. So great leaders have the ability to one, influence their own behavior and then influence the behaviors of those around them. And when you can do that and do it with consistency, then you're going to get consistent high performance results for you and for your team and for your organization for that matter and so i find that feedback is one of the greatest tools in order to be able to kind of turn the key in order to go from uh poor performing habits to high performing habits but if i wanted to go a layer deeper than that uh, and go through the five whys then what drives or behaviors well it's the decisions that we make in every moment uh of our day because decisions drive action and i thought well let's go a layer below that you know really work on this root cause analysis and think well okay what causes us to make our decisions and this is where it got really interesting for me because i realized and i wish i'd known this back when i was an engineer and I transitioned into my operations director role but it was that your emotional state the emotional state that you're in in any given moment drives the decisions you make, the actions you take, and ultimately the results that you get. And if I go one layer deeper, um, essentially it's the meaning that you give anything that drives your emotional state. Mm. Just like the example I used earlier where we had associated feedback with this thing called conflict. When you change the meaning of feedback from conflict to a gift, a gift for yourself and a gift for others, then it changes the whole um, chain of events all the way up through to the results. So if I have the perception, for example, that 
feedback as a gift, then I feel pretty good about giving it. I'm going to make a decision to give it, which will ultimately change uh, the perception and the meaning that someone else has around their own behavior. That means they're going to shift it and get the results that they know that they want and ultimately that they need. And they're getting that gift to be a high performer. So really, I think if I if I break it down, um, leadership is really changing, positively impacting or positively influencing the thoughts, the feelings and the actions of, of those around us. So, so when you're in this great book that you've created, this Elevate Your Performance, and I noticed in there you, you talk a lot about this concept of feedback. What If I wanted to start to provide feedback or potentially even give myself feedback, what are the sorts of things I want to look at that I want to potentially analyse that if I was to start to improve those kind of things, mm. I, I would become a better leader? What would you recommend? So for me, one of the key things, and I mentioned it during um, just that root cause analysis, essentially one of the things that I see is missing across all organizations is that leaders do not, when they're giving feedback, they do not connect the behavior to the consequence. Mm. So I often use the analogy, you know, when you've got children at home and you say, stop that, put that down, get away from there. So they're telling them what they don't want them to do, but they don't connect the why. And they don't connect the consequence to that of that behavior. And so this is one of the biggest mistakes that leaders make. So I think one of the most simple, real tangible steps that you can take away and start right now is if you're seeing a behavior that isn't serving the person or it isn't helping them move towards high performance, then you want to let them know what is the consequence of their behavior, right? And if you want them to change the behavior to something different, then you have to think about, first of all, before you even think about what the new behavior is, you're thinking about, well, what is the new result that I want instead? So if, if behavior A is uh, leading to result A and result A is not what you want, well, then think about, well, what is result B that I do want? And then what is the behavior that's necessary in order to get that result? Because just like cause and effect, um, behavior always equals consequence. So I think when leaders can start to join the dots between old behavior that's driving poor performance and then a new behavior that's driving uh, high performance, then they're well on their way to starting to help people uh, to change their behaviors to get better results. And, and in your world, how do you sum up high performance? I know you've got this beautiful graph uh, inside your book here and it makes a lot of sense to me. For the listeners who haven't actually picked up a copy of uh, Marty's book yet, you, you know, go out of your way to get it. It's, it's, it's an incredible read. I, I just... I want to know from you, like I come up to you, all right, Marty, you are without a doubt one of the best in the world at this leadership concept. You are one of the best in the world at creating peak performers in all industries. What is peak performance to you? How, how do you describe that? I'll tell you, Ben, the, the first experience I ever had of it, I'll tell you a story about this, is that when I grew up back in Ireland, I played a sport called hurling, right? It was a stick and ball game. It's one of the fastest field ball sports in the world. And I loved it. It was incredibly well, passionate. I prefer, to I prefer to refer to that sport as sheer insanity. But continue. Okay, you know what I'm talking about then. Well, yeah, for the outsider looking in, it's pretty crazy, it's right? insane, that sport. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild, but it's pretty skillful as well, right? And, totally. um, and so when I was growing up, you know, I played for this team at under 14, under 12s, under 14s, under 16 level uh, for my local club and there was two brothers on my team their father was our coach so he coached us all the way through and then I, I had the opportunity to play for my county uh, which was a you know a great uh, honor for me 
Uh, and, and their dad was also my coach for the county team. And we got to the All-Ireland quarterfinal. We got to the last eight teams of, of the, the biggest competition in Ireland at under 18 level. And um, as part of our preparation for that, our coach took us to a county called Kilkenny. And Kilkenny were like, these guys dominated the sport for almost a decade before. And he was going to take us down to play the Kilkenny minor team as a, this minors as under 18s uh, in a friendly game in preparation for our quarterfinal. And he said, I'm also going to bring you down to watch the Kilkenny men's senior team train for, for their upcoming game. And I remember we were on the bus on the way down to Kilkenny. Uh, it was about a three-hour drive. And I was thinking, wow, these guys are my heroes. Like, they're legends. And I thought, what is it that the best team in Ireland do to make them the best? And so I was filled with anticipation on the way down uh, the road on the bus. And we were all standing on the sideline of the pitch. And uh, the team came out and they started to train. And I remember looking at my coach thinking, wow, the way you've been training us for the last eight years is exactly the same way as the Kilkenny senior team training. And by the way, when, when he was training us, all he would get us to do is the basics, the basics over and over and over again. And he turned to me and he said, Marty, when you do the basics with consistency and discipline, that's what makes you world class. And so when when I realized that, I realized that high performance is nothing complex, it's nothing new and different. It's just when you do the basics with consistency and discipline, it's that what, and it's really, that's the key, that's the secret. Uh, and so many people um, overlook the basics and they try to find some new tool or something different in a book or a course. But ultimately, when you go back to basics, that is key to world-class world and high performance. Well, I, re I really love that because I, I am fortunate to interview a lot of people and meet a lot of people who I would class as peak performers. And it always stands out to me that they aren't doing anything special. Mm. They are absolutely consistent. And they're, I, th I think for me, I often observe a precision to the basics. Like, yeah. Like there's someone who can get the basics right, but then there's someone who can do the basics precisely. And I think that's probably what you're saying with the, the discipline is when you watch a world-class peak performer do the basics, their level of precision that they can do that with, mm. you know, like a professional tennis player is still serving the ball probably the same way we do it. <laughs> you know, our body's probably going to go through similar motions, but they have this precision that came from, um, that 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 discipline and consistency you speak about. I think that's really important that people out there listening in just understand that there really isn't a magic to it. Everyone wants some magic, you know? So I really love the fact that you went and saw them training because I think that's such an eye-opening moment where you're like, far out, they're not doing anything uh, differently to what, to what we're doing. I think that's, uh, I, I've written that one down, Marty. I'm taking a lot of notes in this <laughs> interview, my friend. Uh, so I, I get the idea now. I, I'm sitting at home and I'm a, I want to be a leader. I realize that I've got to start linking my behavior to my consequences. I notice in your book, you talk a lot about this idea of getting a cue and developing some type of craving for that uh, the, from the cue and then um, falling into a routine or a habit of some kind and then wanting to uh, you know, ob obtain a result. So what can I practically do today to perhaps become more aware of a consequence or perhaps change a routine or at least step my way 
into more peak performance? Like, I, let's just say I want to perform at my peak at my, in my job. What's your advice to me today? What, what do I do? So just kind of going back to what we talked about around the consistency and the discipline. And, and the question is, well, why do, why do people behave and have habits in a way that get them high performance with consistency? And one of the things I find, and I mentioned it earlier in the kind of the root cause, which was what drives decisions, because we have to choose to, to act and, and show up with consistency. And it's the emotional state that either that we're in or the emotional state that, that the actual behavior gives us. So what I find is, you know, when you connect behavior to consequence, um, one of the consequences is, is how that behavior makes you feel. And mm. what I find is that oftentimes we have behaviors that you and I kind of both know probably don't serve us that well and don't get us the results that we want. Uh, but in some respects, it's making us feel some sort of positive emotion. And so the key when you want to get to high performance with consistency for yourself is what is something I can replace that routine with? It still gets me the emotion I want, but at an even higher level. Uh, and in, in my book, I talk about using the example that, you know, if you're feeling stressed and, and you want to feel relaxed or, 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 or calm, uh, a routine or a habit is, well, I go home and I have a glass of wine. Okay, that can probably relax you, right? But what if you could replace that routine of having a glass of wine with something different that actually increases the, the um, intensity of that emotion of feeling relaxed or calm? Uh, and in the book, I talk about uh, using exercise uh, as a replacement for the routine. So the cue and the reward can stay the same. If I'm stressed and I want to feel relaxed, all I need to do is replace uh, the routine or the habit or the, or the behavior, whatever you want to call it. So my uh, invitation to people if they want to get to high performance is to think about what are the habits that you're consistently showing up with and which are the ones that aren't getting you the results that you want, but might be making you feel some positive emotion in the moment, that instant gratification. And then ask yourself, well, what could I replace that with? That one will give me higher performance, but two will actually make me feel that emotion at an even more intense level. Um, and I think that's that's a real question that people need to start asking themselves. So I, I think I'm getting it now. So so I'm sitting at home and I get this cue, right? I'm stressed out. And then that stress, I, I decide that what I want is to feel relaxed. Mm. So in comes this cue. I'm stressed. My desire or my craving is I want to feel relaxed. Now, that's typically not what a peak performer would do, right? They, they would they would then do something to become more relaxed. But what you're saying is a peak performer would get that relaxed and they'd take it to another level. Is it, is it like they would leverage a cue to go to an even high, more intense state or perhaps even a different state? Is that like, can I investigate that concept? Because I know in the book yeah. we talk about from going from a relaxed or into a state of joy, for example. Right. So am I, you mentioned that I can keep the cue and the, the emotion the same. Can, to get the greater intensity, do, do people switch the emotion, you know, as the, as, as the result? Do they, do they do that at all? Or what's so good that? Good question. Let, let me see if I can kind of break it down into a, maybe a more practical term. So, um, yeah. for example, like I, I work a lot with um, uh, operations uh, style people. So, you know, there, there's some environments that can be unsafe, right? So if they're working on a, you know, a big caterpillar truck, for example, and they're, and they're putting things together, 
there's going to be behaviors that um, is ex are, are expected of them, for example. And so I always think about, if I really make it simple, um, connect pain to old behavior and pleasure to the new. And you really want to intensify the pain to the old behavior and intensify more pleasure uh, to the new. And so one of the ways I do this, uh, and I, I encourage leaders to do this as well, is again, when we're connecting the, the consequence to the behavior, how do we intensify the consequence? So if the old behavior is, is driving a, a negative consequence or something associated with pain, how do you intensify that? And again, uh, the opposite for the positive. Uh, and so an example of that I, I use when I was, again, I go back to when I was uh, working in aerospace and doing my root cause analysis on, on, on engines. There was something else that we did where we called it failure mode effect analysis, where we would think about, well, what's the failure mode? And then we would work a way forward. Uh, and an example of that um, really quickly is that, you know, you think about an O-ring o ring seal um, that stops oil from going down the shaft on the engine. Okay, what happens if the O-ring seal fails? Oh, probably not much, maybe a little bit of oil leak. Now, there's a true story where there was a, a, a Qantas um, A380, you know, the double-decker aircraft flying from Singapore to, to Sydney. And essentially, it's almost the same thing happened where there was a bit of an oil leak and the oil went down through the combustion chamber, uh, went into the turbine, the turbine disc exploded, there was a catastrophic failure. Uh, and just by sheer luck, the aircraft didn't crash. Now, when you go back to the very root, it didn't seem like it seemed quite innocuous. It was only um, a bit of a leak of oil. OK, not, not a big deal. But when you go second, third, fourth, fifth order uh, consequence, it can get pretty catastrophic. So I often invite uh, leaders when they're giving feedback to people on the on the shop floor or in the office or, or whatever environment that they're in. It's not just think about the first order consequence. It's well, well, if that happens, then what's the consequence of that? Okay, well, then if that happens, what's the consequence of that? And before you know it, there's a huge amount of pain associated with um, something that was, that was quite innocuous. You know, I often talk about, you know, if you wear safety, safety uh, glasses in, in the workshop, well, if you're not wearing them, what might happen? Okay, I might get something in my eye. Okay, that's first order. Okay, well, then if you get something in your eye, what's the consequence of that? Okay, well, I might go blind, let's say. Okay, well, what's the consequence of that? Okay, well, I won't be able to work again. Okay, what's the consequence of that? You get the idea where it really elevates and intensifies the pain associated with well, I like that. Not, not doing the right behavior versus if you do wear them um what is the positive consequence as well I'll, I'll be able to go home to my family without being injured um i'll be a good role model for for everybody else in the workshop etc so you can really elevate both sides of the of the scales by doing that so i mean a lot of people use consequences as a negative but it sounds like you use them for both the positive and the negative Mm. And then you sort of take it to multiple layers. And I, and I love how you map across this engineering mindset into the leadership. So you can really drill down on things. There's quite a structured process to it all. Mm. I think when I think about this concept, if I'm a leader right now and I want to give some feedback, right? And, and I have been brought up with feedback being conflict, right? And that's, you know, I put on my battle wear and I get ready for this blow up moment hoping that maybe they might get a little bit better afterwards what do you suggest i change now to start to be more effective with the feedback that i'm providing well i would say there's two steps you must take before you even start having the conversation right uh the first one i always say you, you got to create a safe environment so what i find in most most cases that when someone says i've got some feedback well, the, the guard goes up and the armor comes on. They're trying to defend themselves. So to be able to create that safe environment, how do you do that? 
it's as simple as just building trust, building rapport, getting to know the person. And this isn't just, just before the feedback. This is all the way along. So starting today, getting to build relationships with the people within your team. Uh, and the second element of that then is something I call contracting, which is, you know, again, as, as a leader, I, I say there's a pre-pre-contract, which is you do it up front when you become the leader of that team or someone comes in. And then just the pre-contract, which is just before you have the feedback conversation. So the pre-pre-contract sounds something like, hey, you know, uh, as your leader, my, my goal for you, and of course you're going to do this with absolute sincerity, is for when you leave this team, I want you to be a better version of yourself or by the time I leave, that you're going to walk away having grown as a human and, um, and have elevated your, your own performance. So that's my goal. Mm. Now, as part of that, I want to make sure that if there's something that you're doing that's moving you in the right direction, I want to let you know about that so that you can keep doing it. Uh, but if you are maybe behaving in a way that's taking you away from you being your best, then I'd love to have your permission in order to kind of get you back on, on course. So, you know, is that okay if I can give you that, that recognition when you're doing something well? And also if you're kind of getting off track, do I also have your permission to, to kind of bring you back on track again? And the language that I'm using there, Ben, is, is asking for permission. So you're really getting a verbal contract with the person that you're, you're going to have the feedback conversation with. And to be honest, in today's society and, and working environments across multiple continents that I've worked in is that there's just not enough feedback being given. In fact, I, I often say there's, there's three types. There's positive, there's negative, and then there's uh, obsolescence, right? Which is no feedback for when somebody does something positive. So when you set someone up, You've created a safe environment. Um, you've told them, look, I want you to be the best that you can be. And then when it comes to having the feedback conversation, then you have the, the, the pre-contracting, uh, which is, hey, and then you remind them, remember that conversation we had up front where, you know, I want to bring out the best in you and I want to let you know if there's something that's taking you off track. Yeah, okay, well, like, now's one of those times. Hey, do you mind if I, I share some observations? And by doing that, you're really helping people to take their walls down so that they're really open to hearing what you've got to say. Uh, and so that you're setting yourself up so that they actually hear the conversation and they take some, some action towards, towards moving towards high performance. Yeah, and I know you've got this incredible workshop that you've uh, been running that, that really do, does help leaders take it to, to a whole nother level. This, this workshop about creating high performance teams, which is predominantly driven by this idea of using effective feedback, which, by the way, for the listeners out there, I strongly recommend that you check out Marty's website. It's Martin uh, Hassan, and it's spelled M-A-R-T-I-N-H-A-S-S-A-N.com. And on his website, there's a, there's, a, there's a contact form there. I know that people can actually reach out directly to you and actually have a chat about their leadership, where they're at, what their team's doing, how their organisation is tracking, and uh, from there, you, you provide quite a number of different strategic ideas that they can follow through with. Beyond all that, though, I know that companies are getting some remarkable results from this workshop, creating high-performance teams with effective feedback. So um, I recommend definitely check out the, the website, definitely reach out to Marty and book in uh, for, for a chat, you know, if you really do want to take your performance to that next level. So, Marty, I'd love to leave our listeners with a final tip, and it's a final tip about how they can elevate their own performance and go on to be a better leader, a high-performance person in their own lives. So, so what is that final tip you want to give them? So, Ben, one of the things I always say to the leaders that I work with is, is to remind themselves that to do the basics 
with consistency and discipline. And it's always that which is what makes you world-class. So really just to do uh, an assessment of what are you doing well and to really elevate that and to do more of it. And this is not complex, but just really get back to basics and do it with consistency and discipline. And that's the one thing that's going to drive your performance to the next level. Nice. I like it. I, for me, I got a lot of great ideas out of today and really just the focus of you know feedback, enabling someone to be the best they can be, uh, really having an understanding of the consistency and the discipline. I also like the, the use of consequence, you know, to really drive the meaning that creates the true change that enables us to perform at our peak. So again, if you haven't come in contact with Marty, please make sure you do reach out. Uh, definitely grab a copy of his book and, and make sure you book in for one of his, uh, you know, discuss, a, a chat with him, a strategy session where he can have a chat to you about his leadership. Again, his website, M-A-R-T-I-N, H-A-S-S-A-N.com, martinhassan.com. And uh, on his uh, website, I said just pop in your details and you can uh, book in a time and have a bit of a discussion about it. Uh, Marty, I just want to say thank you so much for coming along today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners and being so generous with your knowledge and also sharing such great stories. You know, I really love that story about the uh the watching the kill kenny team and, and just seeing the basics there so mate thank you so much for your time and for joining us on the podcast today thank you ben thanks for listening in everybody and i just want to say if you want to find out more about marty or any of the other authors in this elevate series make sure you go to elevatebooks.com forward slash authors and always remember giving yourself permission to do what you love is the key to elevating all areas of your life so until we meet again share your light live your love and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend. Thanks for tuning in and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. For more information, visit www.elevatebooks.com.